0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 9th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold continued to show a trend of volatility this week as it bounced around based on the news of the day. Trump's tariff announcement pushed gold higher early in the week, but it fell off later with continued speculation about Federal Reserve rate hikes and some easing of geopolitical tensions with news that Trump has expressed willingness to meet with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at eleven sixteen fifty, silver is at 1649, and the silver-gold ratio stands at 80.11. Gold has fallen off pretty sharply this morning on a better-than-expected jobs report. According to the Labor Department, 313,000 jobs were added last month, the most since October 2015. Economists had anticipated a gain of about 200,000 jobs. But wage figures were slightly disappointing. Wage growth was a paltry 0.1%. The expectation was 0.2% after a 0.3% increase in January. This pretty much seals the deal for a March Fed rate hike. I think that's a big part of the sell-off in gold after the report was released. Remember, the trend is for investors to sell the expectations of rate hikes, but to buy the fact. I've talked some about these job numbers in past podcasts. If you listen to Trump supporters, they'll tell you it's because of how awesome the Trump economy is. But the fact is, we've had this kind of growth in employment under Obama. I thought the numbers were sketchy then, and I still think they're pretty sketchy. I haven't had time to dig into this month's report, but the trend has been for a lot of these new jobs to be part-time and low-paying, thus tepid wage growth and the labor participation rate is still stubbornly low a lot of people are working multiple part-time jobs each of these jobs counts as a separate job in the stats so that skews the numbers i was talking with a friend the other day who has been in the job market for several months and he told me it's quote really tough out there i know this is purely anecdotal but i just don't buy the optimism on jobs The news that Trump may talk to Kim Jong-un is pretty interesting. A drop-off in safe haven investment could put pressure on the yellow metal in the near term if people really perceive a decrease in geopolitical risk. Of course, knowing Trump, he could tweet tomorrow that he plans to invade North Korea. The only real certainty with the current administration is, well, uncertainty. I ran across an article in Investment News this week that I thought was interesting. I like to touch on this theme every so often because I think it is way overlooked. We get all caught up in the news cycle. We talk about trade wars and Federal Reserve moves and political speculation, and we miss the fundamentals – in the gold market. And by fundamentals, I mean supply and demand. When you step back and look at supply and demand, things really do look bullish for gold. Growing demand for the yellow metal in emerging markets coupled with a limited capacity for new mine production bode well for gold moving forward. The jewelry market makes up roughly two-thirds of the demand for gold, and much of that comes from emerging markets such as India and China. As State Street Global Advisors head of gold strategy George Milling Stanley said, we're seeing the economic growth is fastest in the parts of the world that like gold the most. According to the 2018 World Economic League table, India will leapfrog both France and England in 2018 to become the world's fifth largest economy in dollar terms. That same report also predicted China will overtake the U.S. as the world's biggest economy in 2032. China and India rank as the number one and two gold consuming countries in the world. It really just stands to reason that strong economic growth and rising income in these Asian nations will boost demand for gold, particularly gold jewelry. On the other side of the coin, gold mine production is falling off. Milling Stanley told Investment News that while mining companies would like to see growth in new production, they are barely seeing enough to sustain current production. Production peaked in 2014, and it's likely to decline for the foreseeable future. Global mine production actually plateaued in 2017, rising by just a paltry 5.7 tons, according to data compiled by the World Gold Council. That represents the smallest increase in mine output since 2008. Investment News pointed out that mining companies can't just snap their fingers and ramp up output as demand increases. It can take years to identify a new mine site, get clearances to open the mine, and then to begin production. And recently, new gold discoveries have been pretty rare. According to SR Srocco, the world's largest gold mining company forecasts declining production over the next two years. Barrett Gold's 2017 year-end report predicted production will de- decrease from 5.3 million ounces in 2017 to 4.7 million ounces in 2018. The 2019 forecast is even lower at 4.4 million ounces. SR Sirocco put together a graph tracking production for the top four gold producers, that's Barrick, Newmont, Anglo Gold, and Gold Corp. He put it, put it together for, um, since 2011, including forecasts for the next two years, and it shows a pretty consistent downward trend. If these forecasts hold, we're looking at a 23% drop in output over less than a decade. Part of the problem is gold mining companies have not been investing in exploration or developing new mines. Capital expenditures for the big four dropped 75% between 2012 and 2016. I've talked about peak gold on this podcast before. It's hard to know if we've really reached the point that production will consistently decline over time, but there's a lot of evidence that points in that direction. Of course, technology advances and new discoveries make predicting peak gold an imprecise science, but plateauing production numbers do lend some credibility to those predicting declining output in the future. At least it seems pretty certain that based on the forecast biggest mining companies are giving us, we are looking at lower output numbers over the next few years. Like I said, it's easy to get caught up in the latest geopolitical turmoil or the most recent policy pronouncement by the Fed or talk about trade wars. And no doubt these events in the news cycle are important, but investors should never lose sight of fundamental supply and demand. The gold industry may well be entering a long-term, possibly irreversible period of less available gold. As mining companies find it more difficult to pull gold out of the earth, it's going to mean less gold for refiners to produce for consumers in the marketplace. And remember, gold gets its value from its scarcity. So, Will there or won't there be a trade war? The news on this keeps changing. I've heard there may be now exemptions for Canada and Mexico, which in the case of steel and aluminum would be significant. Contrary to popular belief, China isn't even in the top 10 exporters of steel to America. Canada is number one. As Trump has ratcheted up the rhetoric, several countries and regions have promised retaliation if the U.S. does impose tariffs. That's the nature of a trade war. Now, Trump said it's easy to win, but history proves him wrong. Whenever you hear tariff, you should just substitute the word tax. You don't tax yourself into prosperity. Peter Schiff did a great job of breaking down how a steel tariff will actually play out in fact, and I'll link to that on the show notes page. Now, there's one possible step countries like China and Japan could take that nobody's really talking about and could have serious implications for the U.S. economy. I found a little circulated Reuters report talking about the possibility of countries dumping U.S. treasuries in response to these tariffs. I call this the nuclear option because it could really tank the U.S. economy. I've been talking about how rising bond yields could serve as the pin that pops all of these bubbles. There's already a huge supply of bonds out there. The U.S. Treasury needs to sell over a trillion dollars worth of bonds both this year and next to fund the huge GOP deficits. With the Fed out of the market and Japan and China both saying they're not really interested in buying any more U.S. debt, who is going to buy all of these treasuries? Now, bond prices are already falling and yields are going up. What's going to happen if China and Japan decide to dump treasuries to pay the U.S. back for its tariffs? This is not a good scenario. In other news, Endeavor Silver CEO Bradford Cook forecast a multi-year decline in new mining supply of silver. He said silver is the one metal that is primarily a byproduct of copper, lead, and zinc mines. And in a five-year commodity bear market, there are no new copper, lead, and zinc mines. Just like gold, the supply and demand fundamentals look really good for silver right now. The Silver Institute put out its report this week, and I'll link to uh, that in the show notes page, and you can see some of these trends. Now is really a good time to consider buying both silver and gold. To learn more, you can contact one of our Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialists by calling one gold 160 That's one gold 160 well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shipgold.com news. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you again next week.